Leaning Toward Wisdom. It's a special episode. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Randy Cantrell, that's my name. Yeah, I'm the host of the podcast. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. I would say this isn't Ask Me Anything, but yeah, not really. Well, you can ask me anything. doesn't mean I'm going to answer anything. So we'll answer a few questions, have a little bit of a conversation, and we won't take too long about it, by the way. Brevity. We need brevity, don't we? Let's do it. Uh, we're winding down August. Those of you that pay attention over at the Facebook group, you're not there? Well, you can be. Just go to leaningtowardwisdom.com, click on that Facebook icon. I think there's one question, and I've already given you the answer to it. So click that link and uh, see if you can answer the question. Uh, Speaking of questions, I do have a few and figured, yeah, okay, well, let's just at least get this show rolling by uh, diving into a few of these. I have gotten this one uh, pretty repeatedly, and it's kind of amazing to me because it feels like, from my perspective, that I, I talk about this all the time, and that is people are interested, and the question comes in a variety of forms. How did you get into podcasting? How long have you been podcasting? What was the first podcast? What prompted the podcast? Uh, How did you decide what you were going to podcast? You know, just origination kind of questions that have to do with podcasting and this one in particular. And I'll go ahead and repeat it here for those of you that have not heard the story. And I'm going to make this an abbreviated version. I've I've gone into it. I need to go back and look and find the episodes, I guess. But if you are a podcaster, do you, how well do you kind of chronicle the subject matter? Now, if you podcast and you have host, you have guests, uh, I mean, and not host, but if you have guests, you do interviews, uh, or if you've got an episode that has a particular subject matter and then the next episode has a different subject matter, I guess I kind of get how you could catalog it or database it. I don't do that. So I just have to use the, I just have to use the search function. Uh, but here, here's the genesis of it all. It happened in 1997. I'm sitting. I think I was at work. I, this is the, I can't remember where I was and it doesn't, it's not really important to the story. I don't think. Although people have asked that, listen, I'm just a man in search of an epiphany. So I get it. When you hear stories of epiphanies, we kind of want to know, okay, well, where were you? I, I understand that. I can't tell you where I was. I don't remember. I don't know if I was at home or at work. I'm suspecting because of the context of the story I'm fixing to tell you that I was at work. And if I had to... I'm not a betting man, but if I had to bet on it, I'd bet that I was at work. The reason that I'm betting would bet that is because I had in my hand 
a digital recorder, an Olympus digital recorder. If you go back to late high school and all through college, I carried with me a Sony micro cassette recorder. I did not talk into it for diary kind of purposes. I used it to record lectures. I used it to record, I recorded Holy Hubert. Holy Hubert was a street corner preacher who just hellfire and brimstone. He just, it didn't matter who we were, any of us who, who gathered around the student union at LSU, Holy Hubert called us all miserable wretches. I have got audio recordings. Holy Hubert was old then. He's long gone. But he worked the whole Gulf states uh, preaching. I never did really understand what he was preaching. It was just pure condemnation is all it was. Uh, it seemed to me that he's, he's where I first really learned that for some people the good news of the gospel is I'm saved and you're lost. And I'm, I'm just here to tell you that you're lost. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, he's, he's got this wrong. This is, that is not the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came and died so that we could all be saved. But that wasn't, anyway, I would record Holy Hubert. I would record, I would make notes to myself, but it, it was strictly in the context of my life or work or school. It wasn't, Okay, today is July the 4th, 1972, and here's where I It wasn't that kind of recording. So I was accustomed to recording, all, like a lot. I had, I, I had tons of these micro cassettes. I would buy them. You could buy them in like a six-pack, and that's how I bought them. Now, it helped that I worked at a place that sold Sony. So I could get it, I could get it for dealer costs. So that kind of, well, I think it was an employee discount. So I'm sitting here now, fast forward to 1997 and I am, what am I? 40 years old. And I've got this digital Olympus recorder that had replaced the micro cassette. I told you this was going to be a brief story, didn't I? I lied. Um, and I'm looking at this and for some reason out of the blue, I thought about, great grandfathers who I did not know. And I thought, how cool would it be if I could, if I could click play on a, like this device, what if they would have had this technology that I've got in my hand? What if that would have existed a hundred years ago? How cool would that be? And immediately I had the thought, well, you dummy, you've got the technology and you're not using it for that. That was the Genesis for this podcast. That's what started this the, the the wheels began to move in motion for me to think, okay, I've got middle school kids who are fast approaching high school. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to start documenting some things. Again, not in diary form, but leaning toward wisdom in that at this age, at 40, here's what life has taught me so far. I'm still learning. It's not a matter of, listen, I've got wisdom. I got a lock on this and y'all need to listen to what I got to say that it was never that it was always, here's the journey. Here's some things that I would like you to know. Now I was talking to them as though they were their age and I was my age, but I knew they're not listening. <laughs> they're, not, I'm, they're in the same house and they're not listening. 
they're not going to click play and listen to me. The thought was kind of for historical posterity, right? Legacy stuff. So that was the genesis of it. That's what started it. Uh, I was comfortable with it, loved it. By the time you get to 1999, roughly year 2000, the Yellow Studio was born, and here we are. The, re the rest is history. Uh, where did you grow up? A ton of the podcasting thing seems to be really high up on the list. Uh, this one, this one comes dangerously close. People want to know. I talk about Oklahoma. I talk about Louisiana. I live here in Texas, and it's like okay, I, you know, uh, people are just naturally curious. I understand. I was born in Ada, Oklahoma, and we moved around quite a lot. My father was, as he puts it, oil filled trash. Uh, he worked on drilling rigs. His family, they were all kind of in the, in the oil field business. And this is back in the day when, you know, wildcatters were still roaming the earth and whatnot. A wildcatter is just somebody that on pure spec, they're just, they're drilling a well, right? And they're just hoping that they hit something. Um, my grandfather, his father, I would describe at least in his earlier years, he, he was a bit of a wildcatter. So we did that. Uh, my father ended up getting into real estate and becoming a, a home builder. And so we, we lived in Louisiana, uh, northern and southern Louisiana. I would say that I really grew up more in Louisiana than anywhere. I, I spent, you know, my elementary school, my junior high years, my high school years, my college years, those were all in Louisiana. So uh, I certainly identify with Louisiana in that regard. So I consider myself a guy who's, you know, this Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana kind of, this is home. This is home. And so there's that. Hope that answers the question. Professional background. Get a lot of questions about my professional background. I've talked about selling stereo equipment and whatnot and people and i've mentioned being in retail and whatnot and people are real curious about the career and especially now how did, how did i how did i migrate from that to this kind of coaching this executive leadership kind of coaching stuff so here's the real brief version of that stumbled into the consumer electronics business because of a love affair with music and i loved hi-fi equipment so I walked into a hi-fi shop, got a job, and that set pretty much, that was, <laughs> that's the end of the story right there. Um, I don't know, serendipity, providence, I don't know. I, I literally stumbled into it, took to it, did well. Then fast forward, and by the time I'm uh, approaching 25, I got an opportunity to run a company and did, and... One thing led to another and did that until I stopped doing that, which was about a dozen or so years ago, uh, as I hit the record button today, 12 to 13 years ago, and then started doing consulting work primarily for small business. And I define small businesses, businesses that are, you know, not mom and pop and not really big, but 
somewhere probably under $50 million a year in annual revenue. Uh, so legitimate, legitimately good-sized businesses with, with good infrastructure, good predictability, good sustainability, but certainly not big business, not big corporate kind of stuff. The only corporate work that I ever did, I did a, about a three-year stint with Mitsubishi Electronics, uh, and that was a transition, and I knew it was going to be a transition that would probably take me two to three years, and it took two and a half, and then I ended up back in retail. I was really kind of a retail animal. I was just, I can't explain it. Yeah, the hours are dreadful, but I loved it. I loved the daily stress of it. I loved the constant change of it, the pace. I loved the fast, frenetic pace. And I would describe myself, especially early on, a bit of a stress junkie. That kind of stress I'm talking about. So um, the consulting eventually gave way because, frankly, I hated it. It was not rewarding. It was not fulfilling. It was not. It was just too in and out. It was too transactional, and I'm not a transactional guy. I'm very, very much a relationship kind of a guy. So it just didn't work for me. Um, I, I think I was, I was pretty good at it, especially for somebody that <laughs> that hated it. So I was effective because I was a good operator. I am a good operator, but the coaching stuff to to see the light bulb come on is that's worth the price of admission for me right there so so there is that uh let's see i'm scrolling through my phone um religious questions those are are pretty prevalent uh people inquire about my faith and I'm, I'm happy to engage in those conversations. Increasingly, you have heard me talk more and more about it. Um, I believe in the Bible. I believe the Bible is the inerrant word of God. I believe it is God-breathed. I believe it is inspired by God. I think it proves itself in all of the prophecies and in all of the consistencies throughout a long period of time through a litany of different authors, uh, all of whom I believe were God-inspired, and I believe the New Testament is a pattern for our life. Um, I attend the Church of Christ, and I believe in trying to follow as closely as we can the New Testament pattern. So that church that you read about in the New Testament is the church to which I belong, and we work and worship and practice as you read about in the New Testament. I believe that's our authority. I don't believe I have the right or the authority to dictate how we work, how we worship, and how we serve God. I believe God has the right, and I believe that he is the divine creator, and I believe he has the right to tell us what he wants and how he wants it. And I think the rest is up to us. He lets us choose, so you can choose 
not two, or you can choose two. And uh, the podcast is in part a little bit of a vehicle for me to at least expose other people to the notion that there is a divine creator. God Jehovah is his name and that he sent us a savior in the man, the one son of God, Jesus Christ, to be the sacrifice for our sins as the New Testament so clearly points out and as the Old Testament so clearly prophesied. And so, yeah, so there's that. A family. Uh, quite, quite a few folks seem to be intrigued about my bride of almost 46 years, and I've made reference to her probably since day one. Uh, we began to date in the summer of 1975. That summer, uh, we turned 18. Uh, we went out on a date on July the 2nd. Yes, I remember. <laughs> and we were at a church meeting. And we went out on a date on July the 2nd. And we've been together ever since. Yeah, and I literally mean ever since. Uh, we went out a number of times, and we were together pretty constantly from that evening of July 2nd on through, I would say, roughly July the 6th or so. And then I had to boogie back home to Louisiana and go back to work, and she had to return back to Fort Worth. But uh, from I would say from July 2nd on, we were a couple and we have been a couple ever since. Then if you fast forward to January the 2nd, 1978, uh, we took our vows, and we became husband and wife, and we were about six months, give or take, shy of turning 21, and uh, we moved into married housing at LSU, which was a great experience. And, yeah, rest is history. Here we are, almost 46 years later. Uh, she and I, we just returned from Arkansas. Uh, we Yes, we, we have a house in Arkansas. Yes, we live in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. That's a whole nother story. I do get asked about that, but uh, that's all I'm going to tell you for now. It's, 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 it's complicated. It's complicated and it's too boring. Uh, but we came back. We were over there for about a week. And as we were driving around and as we were pulling out of the driveway to leave the house, um, which does, I admit, get harder and harder. I was, I was telling her for the umpteenth time, and I know she gets so sick of hearing me say the same thing over and over, but I just can't help myself, you know, of how much I love it and love her and love our life and the time that we've had together. And I pray we have more time together and there's just something really significant and special about young love. And I've, we've experienced that and I, I loved it. And there's something about old love and we're experiencing that. And I love that, but there really, really is something to lives live together. There's something to, being tethered to somebody as a husband and a wife are from 
your youth, really, I mean, come on, we were 18. And while, okay, legitimately you're adults, but come on, we're, we're still kids. To have that much history and that much background and that much context with one another and to have gone through all the things that we've gone through, all the struggles and the pain and the, the joy and the heartbreak and everything else is, is significant. It's significant. I would add to it, it is spectacular. It really is spectacular. I would encourage anybody, especially young people, uh, to hold out for that. Hold out for that. I, I'm, I'm not here to give relationship advice or to tell you how to do it, but I'm going to tell you, I was reading today Charlie Munger, who is you know, the partner of Warren Buffett, and he's predicting, you know, we're in for some tough times. America's, this is not our finest hour. I don't think, I think anybody who knows history knows that this is not our finest hour. We've we've got a world of problems, and they don't seem to be getting better, and there doesn't appear to be, there doesn't appear to be uh, significant leadership Within a million miles of the planet, I mean, it's it's really unbelievable. Uh, but he was talking about how he believes the the path forward is to lower your, our expectations. You know that that's that's going to be the path to happiness. Is just just don't expect a whole lot. And while he may have uttered that tongue in cheek, it, it it wasn't lost on me because Rhonda tells me this pretty constantly that I just need to lower my expectations and I just expect too much. I just, somebody does something, they, some performance or whatever. And I'm thinking, you know, however good it could be, they could, they could be, it could be better. And she will often look at me and say, I don't, I don't think so. (laughs) I just, she's wired that way. I'm not. So it's kind of comical and we just kind of have fun with it. But I would tell you, if you're a young person and you are looking for the love of your life, don't please don't take that advice. Do not lower your expectations. That is not a that's not a great path forward. I don't think you should. I was blessed in that I had enough dating experience to know what I did not want. So when I saw I saw it in human form this is what I want. It, it, for me was easy. It was just easy. I doubt it was that easy for her. (laughs) I, I doubt it's, I, I, I'm almost certain it's not easy today, but I could be wrong. She can, she can speak for herself. Um, that's, no, I'll, I'll go ahead. Here's one, you know, well, I thought, so you bought a house, but you were going to build a house. And what, what about the, you know, somebody had, this proves that somebody pays attention, which makes you feel good as a podcaster that somebody pays attention, you know, because I talked about how we had this property and we were going to build on it. And the goal was to build a couple of bedroom suites. And we were going to name, I was going to name these bedroom suites after two women that were important to Rhonda and me. One was her mother. Her mother's name was Nelda. My maternal grandmother, her name was Ree. 
And I had even gone so far as to register Nelda's nest and Ree's retreat because I had already, I, I, in my head, I had these suites. I knew what they would look like. I knew how I, we wanted to build them. This was going to be new construction and we were going to name them. And I, you know, I'm already, you know, the marketing gene has already kicked in for me. So I got an inquiry. Yes. An inquiry. I didn't get a bunch. Oh, what, what about those? What, what about these bedroom suites that you were going to, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And irony of ironies, the domain names that I registered, I think they are, I think we're within days of them coming up for renewal and no, I'm not going to renew them. There, there's something sad about that. Uh, I was rather looking forward to building a, a bedroom suite that would be named after Rhonda's mom and one that was named after my maternal grandmother, who was a really important figure in my, especially in my childhood, uh, but not meant to be. And so it is what it is. Uh, here's the short story of it all. We had no intentions of buying the house that we bought. Uh, serendipity, providence, call it what you will. But as we were approaching the closing date of selling our house in Texas, this house that I had been looking at, along with some others, mainly to just see what's new construction going for over here so that I could kind of get some ballpark idea of what it might cost us to build what we wanted. That was the only reason I wasn't looking at these houses to think, okay, which one of these would I want to buy? That, that wasn't even, that was, we weren't even in the solar system of thinking about buying, but this house caught my eye and I liked the curb appeal right out of the gate. And so I kind of kept going back to it and I kept looking at it and anyway, long and short, about two weeks before we were set to close on the house in Texas, I broached the subject with Rhonda. She had no idea. She didn't know that I was looking at these. She, you know, I was over here doing my own thing. And so I showed it to her online and I said, I've been watching this thing for a few months now. Uh, take a look at this, take a look at this and tell me, tell me why we shouldn't think about making a run at this. Uh, that was, like I said, two weeks before we were set to close by, I would say three days later after we sent a friend over and he walked through the house and did a video and he kind of sent us the floor plan because we didn't know what the floor plan, we just saw the pictures. And if you know anything about real estate photography, th these guys and gals are really good. I mean, they can make a dumpy house look like it's you know, better homes and garden. So the pictures, while they were impressive, I, we couldn't get our head wrapped around. Okay. Well, where, where are the rooms at? You know, you couldn't see the floor plan. So once we were armed with the floor plan and then we had the pictures and we had video and we had real humans that we trusted who had walked through it and said, man, we, we like this. We, we kind we like this a lot. So we made an offer, like I said, within about 72 hours, we went from me showing Rhonda, her being exposed to it for the first time, making an offer, 
Uh, within a day, the offer got accepted. We closed on the house in Texas. Bam. Uh, we went and closed on that house. So none of that was planned. So the reason that the bedroom suites and the reason that that whole idea kind of got kicked to the curb is because like we just took a completely different direction. Here's the lesson for leaning toward wisdom. If, if there's anything to be learned from our decision, be open, be open. Doesn't mean you got to say yes to everything, but it doesn't mean you got to say no either. The fact that we were open to an idea that heretofore we had not really considered, that does not mean that we were impulsive. We were not impulsive. I'd been looking at this and studying this, but you get down to brass tacks and the logic was pretty simple. Here's a house. It suits us really well. In fact, it kind of sort of suits us pretty perfectly. It's brand new. It checks all the boxes for the things that are really important to us in that, well, it's new for starters. It's low maintenance. It's pretty well built. Just a few little kind of quirk things that, you know, we did take care of and are taking care of. Well, I think, come on, there's two big walk-in closets and there's a lot of rods for hanging clothes. I mean, we, we don't have this many hanging clothes. So what we're doing is I'm, I'm having the rods taken out in some places, at least in the closet where I might quote unquote, my closet, because I need, I would rather have more shelves. Give me shelves. So I'm having shelves put in to match the existing shelves that the builder built. And basically what books I kept, which were mostly church related Bible study related books, that's where they're going to be. So they're going to be kind of out of sight and out of mind. And that's kind of a good thing. So I'm having one, two, three. I'm, I think I'm having four shelves put in. So there's a, you know, there's a bottom shelf and then there's an upper shelf, which has, well, there's a rod on both. And I'm just going to go floor to ceiling with, with, kind of equidistant shells. So it's just stuff like that. It's, it's not, not major remodeling kind of things. It's having shelves installed, maybe moving shelves. I think we had one closet and it was like, okay, well then they've got the shelf in the closet. You open the door, you open the door and the closet goes all the way up to the ceiling, which they're, you know, 10, I mean, they're high ceilings, 10 foot ceilings. The problem is when you open the door, the shelf extends like to the door. Well, if you were going to put a quilt up there, you just got to, you got to just completely wrestle and squeeze the one quilt at a time to get it through the opening. It's like, okay, they, they didn't think this thing through. So we had that shelf. And by, and by the way, the shelf is so high that Ron has to get on. She's five, two. She's got to get on a step stool just to reach the shelf. So it's like, okay, yeah, that's not a that's not great engineering there. Um, let's have that shelf brought down, shall we, to where mere mortals could could reach it. So it's it's little it's little ticky tacky things like that that we're doing. But when you run across a house like that, that okay, this checks the boxes and it hits a price point, and you're like. You know, we, we couldn't 
we couldn't build it for this. We couldn't build it for what we're buying. We're buying it for. So it just made sense to us, and it's been an extraordinary blessing. And uh, we were able to get our stuff relocated over there and then get the things that we needed into the apartment in the apartment here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So, yeah, it's all it's all good. I do get asked, it probably is the number one question. It does trump the question about podcasting, and that is about the future. And I'm all I can tell you is we live in DFW, and we spend as much time in Arkansas as we can. And, you know, what? what is that going to look like in the future? The Yellow Studio 4.0 is in Arkansas. I've not... I've not made any bones about that. Uh, Yellow Studio 3.1 is here in DFW. That's where I'm at at the moment. And if all goes well, then I'll have Yellow Studio 3.1 and Yellow Studio 4.0 simultaneously. How long will that last? I don't know. I, again, haven't thought that far ahead. The takeaway I would hope that you could derive from this is be open. I have talked at length about people who believe that plan a go all in pot committed to plan a burn the boats, just take no prisoners. Don't retreat. That could work. My life is in no way a depiction of that though. My life looks way more like, well, plan a didn't work. Plan B didn't work. Plan C, well, that didn't work. That worked worse than plan A and B did, and they didn't work at all. D, E, F, I mean, sometimes I'm getting way past the middle of the alphabet, which is M, and success is nowhere in sight. And then if you're like me, you start to question, am I even pursuing what I really ought to pursue? You know, this is what I thought would be my ideal outcome. But maybe I had this wrong. Maybe I just had this wrong. Sometimes, like you, this is the hard thing. And I don't have a great answer to give you. I can only tell you what my experience is. Sometimes I have gotten to plan C and quit. Most of the time, I go way beyond plan C. Most of the time, the, here's when I quit. You do what you want. It just doesn't feel right. Or mostly I just come to the conclusion. This is just not me. It's just not me. It just doesn't have my name on it. It just doesn't feel right. It's just not congruent with who I am. It's not congruent with what I believe my real strengths are. I get to plan C and I have those conclusions. I'm out. I, I, I hit a point I'll push against it for a while. It, I'm a slow learner. So it takes me plan A, plan B, plan C. It may even take me D, E, or F. But at some point in the first part of the alphabet, I'm bailing out and quitting when I finally conclude this just is not me. This is just not me. Because if, if you're like me, I spend most of my time trying to be somebody or something that I'm not. When I finally reach the point where I conclude this is not who I am and I'm good with it, that's when I bail out and I move on. 
I wish, I wish like crazy that I could come to that conclusion more quickly. I think there's huge benefit to people who have such clarity about that on the front end. Well, for starters, they don't even embark on plan A. They just, they just see it and they're like, no, I'm out. Now I'm getting there. As I get older, I'm getting there, but I didn't always, I didn't always do that. So learn from that. There are other things that I'm like, I do want to do this. I think this, this is me. This is congruent with who I am and what I am. And this does feel like an ideal, an ideal outcome for me. And you would think, well, then that may, that is going to be easy. No, 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 no. Life throws at you challenges and difficulties because that's the price you have to pay to enter the game. And not just everybody is worthy of entering the game, nor should they be. And if they were, you wouldn't want it. Who wants to be average? So I can get to plan M, and maybe some things have worked a little better, but I still haven't gotten attraction. I still don't have the momentum. You know, the two big words for me, traction and momentum. I just, you, you, you need them. You just got to have them. And I get to plan M and I ain't feeling it. And then sometimes something happens. I will tell you that this whole real estate thing, I, I've long said my favorite quote is everything is hard until it's easy. And I modified that many years ago and added to it and everything is slow until it's fast. And that's exactly what happened here. From about the year 2019, certainly by the time we got into 2020, we spent a, a number of years, a couple of years, conniving, planning, scheming, dreaming of having a place in Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. It was just a great respite. It was just a place that you drive in, you drive and you get inside, you get on the other side of the gates. It's a gated community. Yeah, don't think exclusivity. It's 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 gated, yes, partly for exclusivity, but it's safety. It, it's not gated in the sense, oh, the hoity-toity live. You, you can buy a place in there for under $150,000. And, yeah, you can buy a place in there for over a million dollars. And there's way more on the lower end than on the higher end, by the way. But you get inside the gates, and it's like a national park. And there's just this deep sigh. There's just this, there's just this exhale of relief. And it's just that kind of a place for us. And so we're conniving, and we're conniving, and we're putting the house on the market. And then we took the house off the market for a while, and we did a little bit of work, and then we put the house back on the market. And it was, a, it was an arduous process. There, there was nothing fun about it. It was nerve-wracking, and it was, it was filled with angst. And there was a lot of struggle, and there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of suffering. You know, you don't get the baby without the pain. I, it's sorry, you just don't. It's just the way it works. And then all of a sudden, over the span of about two weeks, everything changed, including the plans. You know, the plans to build this thing, and it, it just, poof, it, it just all, it all went up because, yes, I don't know. Let's say that we were on plan M. 
all of a sudden we get to the next plan. Well, that, but that wasn't the plan, but there, there it was staring us in the face. What are you going to do with it? And we made a decision and the decision was, we're going to say yes to this. And in saying yes to that, it meant saying no to the piece of property that we already owned. And it was saying no to, we're going to build our own thing. And it was also saying no to the fact that we're going to have two bedroom suites, one named after my now deceased mother-in-law and one after my grandmother. We're going to say no to those things. And we're going to say no to those because we have chosen to say yes to this other thing. So I look at that. And if that serves as a metaphor for your plan A and you just going all in and you being unwilling to accept a plan B or a C, eh, I would caution, I would caution anybody to be that committed because what happened was way better than anything that Rhonda and I could have even planned. We didn't plan this we were putting ourselves in the best position possible to make hopefully wise decisions. And at this stage of our life, we're both 66 years old. We've, we've got to make, we got to make wise decisions. We, we can't afford to get, we can't afford to get things too wrong when it comes to finances, when it comes to real estate investment, that kind of thing, because there's not enough time to recover. And so we didn't go into this, flippantly we didn't take this with some lighthearted approach we were very sober and serious minded about it but the fact that we were open to something that heretofore had not even been on our radar we were able to seize an opportunity because we did put ourselves in that position and also because we are sober minded because we are not impulsive people because we are people who think things through because we are pondering people I believe, you could take issue with me if you want, but I believe, and I'll end on this note, wise people are pondering people. I believe that wise people not only think, but pre-think. And I believe that wise people ponder, they can ponder together, as Rhonda and I did, collaborating and as we did with friends who walked through the property and looked it over and sent us video and whatnot, they were extremely important in the process. But then individually, I know Rhonda spent time in her head with her own thoughts and her own dreams and ambitions, and I did the same on my own. We came together, and we did it then collectively together, and I think there's power in that. There's huge power in that. We considered the consequences. And like I said, it does help that we are not naturally wired, either one of us. We are not naturally wired to be impulsive. We are not naturally wired to just jump every time, you know, there's a green light or every time somebody hits a buzzer. It's just not who we are. And if you are wired like that, my encouragement would be temper yourself temper yourself. I have not seen anything good come from people who live life on the edge of just waiting for the next impulse to hit. I've just not seen it. I'm not saying that there aren't great success stories about it. I just haven't seen it, nor have I read about it. 
you know, that herky-jerky, act like a squirrel in the middle of the street, not knowing which way to go kind of behavior, I don't believe is the path forward if one is bent on leaning toward wisdom. I think sober thinking, and that doesn't mean humdrum, frown, scowl. I think it means to understand the seriousness of a situation and the context of a situation. Yes, to laugh, to cry, to have a good time, to shed tears, to belly laugh, and everything in between, I think is all encompassed in the whole sober living thing. But to understand the seriousness or the magnitude of a thing, I think is to understand the value of a thing. This for us at this stage of life, for sure, had such magnitude that it deserved some sober thinking. That sober thinking never was driven by fear, but it was driven by opportunity. And man, yeah, what an opportunity we had and what an opportunity we have. I know a different kind of a show, a special episode. Just consider it bonus platinum material. (laughs) This is the kind of stuff you get. If I were to have had a Patreon, this is the kind of, (laughs) no, I don't have a Patreon thing. Here's what I do have. And I'm happy to let you help me if you choose to, if you've listened to me this long, then well, you're special. You want to show your support? I'd love for you to. I would love for you to. Because one of the opportunities that we have as we spend more time in Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, is I'm going to begin to do more video. Not talking head video stuff. There it is there are some magnificent places around where our house is. I I can tell you right now, just our neighborhood is pretty stinking spectacular. And so I'm saving my money. My goal is to save $1,000. It's going to cost me a little bit more than that, but I'm not not asking for everybody to chip in and cover the whole thing. But uh, Rode has come out with a brand new wireless pro, two-person compact digital wireless microphone setup. Looks pretty stinking awesome. That and and a little action camera uh, made by Insta360. And I just, I want to do some podcasting for here. And I want to do podcasting uh, for the podcast that I do about Hot Springs Village called HotSpringsVillageInsideOut.com. And I just want to, I just want to share the place. I want to share some of the insanely beautiful places in and around this particular part of america and so i'm asking for your help if you are so inclined you can go to leaningtowardwisdom.com and up in the navigation you'll see show your support click that and it'll take you right there i'm currently asking for people if you want to donate some gift certificates to sweetwater sound where i can buy both of these pieces of gear 
my email address is listed on that page. So if you choose to support the show in that way, you certainly can. And I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. LeaningForwardWisdom.com and click on Show Your Support. I appreciate you. I say it all the time. You know, without you, I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy sitting here talking to myself, which I would do whether you were here or not. So I'm just documenting this stuff. Leaning toward wisdom. Modern tales of an ancient pursuit. My name is Randy Cantrell. Coming to you from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, inside the Yellow Studio 3.1, where I'll say greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Mm-hmm.